Are you ready to record? Yeah. Are you recording? Yeah. You're recording already? Oh my god. <laughs> Before I even introduce the podcast, let me just say that this is the biggest criminal I've had on this podcast since I started shooting them. I'm not a criminal, sir. Okay. You know what, yeah. Criminal with a K, you get. Welcome to the Donovan Podcast. I have like a brother here. You know, I don't really have a lot of siblings in the industry, but this man single-handedly told me what actually changed my life, man. Have I told you this before? I don't think so. I haven't? Okay, we'll get to that. <laughs> but yeah, man, this is my brother. Y'all know him as Saz. I know him as Nakademus. Yeah! <laughs> <And> broski. Broski! <laughs> this is overdue, man, my G. Like, yeah, I'm so happy with this. I've been talking about doing this for a minute. Facts, so I'm glad I'm here today. We're happy you're here. It's raining right now. Mm-hmm. It's 2.51 p.m. Lagos is mad. I literally even just, like, finished doing some hectic stuff last night. And as I am right now, that's why I'm going to shave because, bro, I'm shattered. Bro, bro, I can't come. I can't tell you that. I mean, I'll tell you that on camera, but <laughs> I was busy. So, oiling. Yeah. Well, partially, partial oiling, <laughs> partial oiling. It wasn't full oiling because I wasn't hundred percent. Grease, bro. We're pouring right now. I got my bro size here with me, bro. Like, first of all, how you been, man? Um, for the most part, I've been good. Um, actually, I don't know. To be fair, mm. yeah, it's it's a mix, you so know, of emotions. Team. Yeah. That's, I like that. I like that. Okay. Mix of emotions. So first of all, congrats. Thank you. You and Doji just dropped an EP that is buzzing, fam. Yeah. It's buzzing. Yeah. It's and actually buzzing way more than I expected. Yeah, because yeah. I remember, remember that time we, we spoke at my cousin's here and you were talking about like how you know you were having issues with like pushing it on YouTube just based off like that. Or yeah. just organically, yeah. Organically, you just picked up. Yeah, man. Yeah. Happy. And Wiz is showing so Wiz is showing so much support. So so much so yeah. much support. Yeah. Don Jazzy. Everybody. 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 The support has been so like overwhelming. How did you find him? I mean, for some context, I actually I heard the tape. When I heard the tape. In London. In London. When when was that? Uh, Last year during the pandemic. September or August. I think it was before. No no no. I mean this was this was like. Probably after that end size. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think you were yeah. So I was in London when I first met Doji with Sars. And like when he played me the tape, I was actually quite pleasantly surprised because one thing about me is I love distinct tones. Mm. So when I heard Doji's tone and I heard what you guys were doing, I was like, okay, this is about to be oily. You feel me? So like where did you find it, first of all? We're gonna talk about you, like proper. Yeah. Well let's talk about what's current. So how did you find Luji? Uh through a mutual friend. Um, Davido's uh, lawyer, Bobo. Yeah. This is random. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, me and Bobo were really good friends. Yeah. So, um, I think um, Loje's dad has been going back and forth with Loje about not doing music or he wants to do music and he just doesn't really like trust, you know, his, his, the choices he makes, like yeah. musically and everything. So, he called Bobo and was like, yo, I'm looking for the best producer to work with my son. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bobo was like, there's only one guy. There's only one. <laughs> <laughs> there's only one guy. So he hit me up and he was like, oh, there's this guy I need to meet, I need to work with and everything. And I met him. I was like, oh, let me listen to your music. I heard the music. Music he was making before was cool. But one thing that stood out was his tone. 
Yeah, and I was like, okay, I think I can do something on this tone. And I told him, like, you know, don't put pressure on me. Give me time. Let me, like, bring him up to speed to where I think he needs to be musically. Yeah. So there was a lot of, like, artist development, you know, for almost a year before Put Out the Music. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, I remember that. And I also remember some of the conversations we had in London as well, just regarding, like, artist development. Yeah. But, yeah, man, let, let's talk about, like, how you even pick artists to work with, first of all. Because, you know, prior to Nucci, You've, you've worked with uh, people like World, you've worked with people like Moon. I mean, you've worked with everyone really, but I'm talking about like projects. Yeah. Like projects like, I don't even know if I should have said what I said, but like I know you've talked with World. You've played me two other tapes with two other artists that I wouldn't call. Yeah. One of them is an artist someone people don't even know, mm-hmm. but his tone is. <sighs> Bro! What I want to talk to a guy, I said, what? Well, like, um, how do you like? What what makes you go like, yo? I can I can mess with this guy, off the strength of their tone without really factoring their brand. Um, I think that just comes from the fact that I always want to try. I never want to like be in a box. You know, I feel like just being in a box is boring. Just doing the same thing over and over is boring. I always want to push the envelope. So when I hear someone, I think like, yo, what? What is your version of this person? I try to create my own version of everybody I work with if they give me the chance. Mm, so yeah. the world, In my own way, the way I feel like people should hear them. Fine. That's that's what I do. But not every artist has that patience mm. for that. So that's why I only like work on projects with specific people that actually give me creative freedom to do yeah. and you know, we'll meet where we think oh we've made, you know, great music. Yeah. But with other people, some people just want a beat. Some people just feel like oh uh, I guess that's without two if I want to do it and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't it's yeah. it's, it's, it's it's a guess game. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's that's how I choose people I work with. You know, once I just hear like something that sticks maybe from the tone or their writing or something, I try to like visualize what um my version of this artist will be like mm. and we'll work on that mm. yeah that's epic, bro. That's epic. so let's let's take it back like way 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 back like okay so i'm just gonna say from my perspective the first time i ever heard sounds on the beat right mm. was um kakobi chicken like <laughs> i'm sure i probably heard other beats that you had made yeah, but like, i didn't know bro see first of all yeah, you see that kakobi chicken beat till tomorrow if they play it Bro. Criminals. So they were criminals. But like, bro, like, okay, reminisce. Let's talk about reminisce because we can't talk about you without not talking about reminisce. Yeah. So, how did that relationship like start? Would you say he was one that kind of like gave you a segue in, in a way? Um, at the time I met reminisce, he was, if I remember correctly, I think he was ready to work on an album with ID Kabasa but I this, this was 2007 but I think ID Kabasa's success with Nice Gongwaso and that album you know made him like really busy so he didn't really have he couldn't like create enough time that Reminis wanted mm. so um, I was working at um, Jabless's studio at that time and Jabless is good friend of Reminis so it was like ah there's this producer that's it's always in my studio mm. this guy says I should try him so I think Reminis just came we were like oh, who's this guy let me just see what's going on and we made 
we made one song. The first song we made is called One Chance. The video is on YouTube. The video is so dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um, the song became number one on top seven jams at seven on rhythm. I don't know if you know you you are yeah, Gen Z. Bro, yeah. I mean, no, I'm millennial. Why do you like this? <laughs> yeah, but if your song is on that radio show, yeah. it's like it's a big deal. Yeah. yeah, if your song is number one on that radio show, it's like everybody listens to that radio show. Yeah. So and that was the first number as in that was the first song we, we made and it became number one on that, you know, top seven jams. So I just knew like, okay, this guy, you know, I have to keep working with this guy. And also he was the only person that stuck with me even when there were hotter producers at that time. Mm-hmm. Because in 2007, I was just, I was a nobody. I was just, you know, this young teenager with a dream that thinks, you know, he has something to offer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but most people I worked with then would take the music we make and go reproduce it with, you know, seasoned um, producers. Yeah. Yeah, Trash. so and that really like hurts me a lot. Oh, how many yeah. times did that happen to you mostly? Uh, countless, you know, a lot of times. Yeah, a lot of times. Um, yeah, even some songs I don't want to mention and stuff, but a lot of times. Yeah, they would make the song a black eyes nice as nice. The next thing you'd hear maybe a Terry G version, or you the song would come out and you think it's your beat, and you hear like it's produced by Imateri G, or produced by K Solo, yeah. or produced by, um, I can't think of any other names now, but you know, they were, because they were really hot at that time. Yeah. yeah. So, but reminisce, whatever beat I made, you know, he stuck with it, yeah. you know, even the hip hop beat, yeah, anything, he was just like, ah, this is the beat I'm using. I don't know if it was a personal decision for him, yeah. or he just really liked you know the music i was making mm. but i mean i really respected him for that and he always made sure he paid me Where? yeah for my services you know he didn't pay me a lot but he would tell me like yo this is what i have and i'll pay you you know whereas a lot of people back then would take me for a ride mm. you know just to use me and you know yeah. not pay me for anything yeah wait okay before we even get there, what made you go into producing music? Because most people like want to just be artists, right? But like, what made you go? Yo, I want to make beats, especially during a time when that wasn't popular. Um, I've always loved music. I could have been anything. I was at the time in life. I was playing basketball really well. I think if I pursued that, not not in this country, sure, because this country they kill dreams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like if I was in America, I could have you know pursued that you know mm. professionally or something. Um, so at this time in my life, we're really doing anything. I had this group of friends. One of them makes music and raps, and the other people in the group rap. We were always hanging out. You know, at my house, would play um, board games, would chill. I mean, my house was like the go-to spot once it's like 10 a.m. when nobody has anything to do. Just come to the house, talk about music. You know how it is now, just boys in the house and everything. Yeah. So um, um, I was always like interested in producers. I was a big fan of Timbaland, Dr. Dre, Pharrell. I would only listen to the songs if it's those guys that produced it. Yeah, yeah that's in, and I could like memorize beats. Like if I hear um, 
a Timberland beat. Like I literally like, you know, recreated with my mouth. Like and it's so like detailed mm. and everything. So, um, this friend of mine, um, his name is James. He, um, he said, "Yo, if you know you're spending so much time with music, maybe you should just try producing." So he gave me um, FL Studio, and with no music knowledge or anything, you know, just very like computer savvy. You know, I installed the software. It was actually a demo version, mm. and I started making music. And the first few beats I made, you know, some some guys in my estates then bought the beats, and they paid me three thousand there. Yeah, they paid me three thousand there for the beats. And so I thought you were doing nonsense. No, I, I didn't think I was doing nonsense. I thought I was doing it. And, you know, for people to pay you for something you, like, enjoy doing. And in context, 3000 in this was this 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 was probably, like, in 2005 or so. 3000 naira then was a lot of money. 3000 naira then, before, the, like, they banned importation of clothes and stuff, where, you know, you could go to the boutique and buy, you know, pair of jeans and a nice T-shirt. Mm. So in my head, I'm like, wow, I'm... Making books. Yeah, my parents would not give me three K. If I tell at that time, if I tell my mom I'm broke or I don't have money, she'd be like five hundred naira. And no, I said like for and and, and it's yeah, and it's and it's actually money. This is when bread was like twenty naira. Yeah. Yeah. I know bro, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so cupcake was like ten naira. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah, so in my head I was like, yo, wow, okay. I think I can actually do this for real. Mm -hmm. So I started, you know, spent day and night producing and everything. And um, also when I watch TV, I see what was happening on Music Africa, Silverbird. I felt like, yo, if this is kind of music these guys are making, I feel like I have a huge chance. Like, I think I can actually make music better than what I'm hearing on TV. The only person um, that made um, music that... I was like, okay, these guys are dope. But Don Jazzy then and OJB. Mm. Yeah, those two guys. But, so. yeah, yeah, but every other person, as in any other song that I heard, I was like, oh, I think I can do this. I can do it better or anything. Even though maybe I wasn't that good at that time, but I felt so confident in what I was doing that mm. you know, I can do this. Mm. And that's where my journey started. Yeah, yeah. So when, when you were in the studio with Bernanese those days, right? Mm-hmm. Which other artists were you around? It was a lot of people. Um, uh, and that's how I got my um, Monica, my name, because my music sp- spread like the SARS virus. Mm. So it was just like, it was just like, it was just like, oh, I made a song for Reminis. A um, lot of us just out here to like, man, I, I think I want a beat from this guy. Mm. Then I'll make a beat for him. Rugged Man heard it, was like, who made this beat? I really want to work with this guy. I make a beat for Rugged Man, and um, Shank heard it, and from Shank to Dagrun, like it, it just kept like spreading like that, little by little, and before oh. and before you know, you produce Kondo. Yes. Jesus. Damn, I'm friends with the legend, though. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about the dream in a bit. Okay, yeah, but awesome. yeah, so that's that's how you know I met you know different people just from my works, yeah. and. Also, with the style of my music then, I didn't really care about the songs. Mm. I only really cared about the beats. Mm. So I didn't necessarily make 
great songs. Yeah. But the beats stood out. Slap. Yeah. yeah. So anyone that hears the song, they're not really interested in the song because the song sometimes the songs don't really like come together the way it should. They're like, but who made these beats yeah. though? Yeah. 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 To and today. I, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, and pe- people are like, oh, I want to work with this guy because that beat is crazy. The beats always stand out. Then I'll release songs and on Twitter, instead of the song or the artist to trend, sounds will trend. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. they're like, ah, this beat is so sick, this beat is so crazy. Yeah. So like, it actually took me a, l- a while to learn how the art of like making music, mm. not mm. just like making beats. Yeah. 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 Like basically producing. Like, yeah. Like, actually, people, people actually don't know that you don't know how to play instruments. No. Yeah. So you're actually a proper like sound curator slash oilist, basically. Yeah, man. Bro, the green, how did that happen? Because you know what Kondo was? I don't need to tell you. Everyone knows what Kondo was. Kondo was a wave. Kondo was basically like what what record is doing crazy right now. Uh, bro, it was the hottest record end up. So how did that happen? Um this was after um I worked with Shank. For his first album, um, King Kong album that had um, Julie and I think one song with Akon Shorty. This was after working with him. Um, his record label, Starville, wanted to sign that green. So they brought that green to the studio. And they were like, oh, so you should work with this guy. We want to sign him and everything. So that day, um, he said, oh, he has this song. And I remember him like just beating the drum. I mean, with. Um, beating the table with his hand it was just then I started making the beats uh, I made the beats there and then he recorded the first verse and the chorus and I know I kept playing that over and over like oh this is so sick like this song is so mad then Starville dropped the ball yeah so um, Starville dropped the ball um, I guess you know they they couldn't make the deal work or something mm. so the song was stuck with me for months maybe almost a year and nothing happened so it was just one of those songs that i always play in the studio but i know like will never come out mm. and after a while that green um hit me up and says oh he's completing his album by himself and he really wants that song but he doesn't really have a lot of money um and he wants to complete it and i was like oh cool i really love the song let's let's do it mm-hmm. and um we finished the song he did the third verse and i sent him like the data you know gotten mixed and everything and that was it the album came out and you know unlike now where you see like real-time feedback yeah. back then you don't really get real-time feedback mm. yeah mm. so you can't really tell what song they're feeling or not, apart from like the song they're playing on radio. And it, the first single of the album was Pom Pom. Mm. So that was what they was playing on radio. Um, then I remember he had a concert at Oniru Beach. And he invited us. And that's when, that was the first time I heard Kondo outside. Yeah. And it went wild. How <laughs> <laughs> It went wild. I, was, I, 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 I to be fair, I can't remember the feeling, but I I know like yo that that's the first that's my first like smash hit. Mm. Yeah, I mean I made other songs that people knew that oh that ah jam that's yeah. a jam that's yeah. a mad jam. But the first smash hit that everybody like you know go to if you go to the clubs, um, there's no there's no nights that they won't play that song three four times. Yeah, so it was like he 
crazy feeling. Yeah. yeah. Bro, that's epic. So, the thing is, I'm, I'm going to jump timelines because, bro, if you were to talk about your incremental goals, man, you've worked with so many people. Because every time I think, okay, how should I take this podcast? I'm just like, ah, man. So, let me just start with, like, prominent things. So, Wiz, right? Mm-hmm. How did that happen? How did you guys link up? So, you see, like I said, that my music... Um, is literally like word of mouth. It keeps spreading. Yeah. It was from Kondo. Mm-hmm. After Kondo, Sagi and Wiz came to my studio. Yeah. It's like, oh, Kondo is fire, bro. This was this was before Superstar. Yeah, I yeah. know. I yeah. Wiz, Wiz told me. We talk. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, Kondo is fire, bro. Like, you know, I really um, love to work with you and stuff. And I remember we made like two songs. Like he freestyled, and I was like, oh, mad, so dope and stuff. And you are bigger than him then. Uh, basically, I, I guess, I guess because he, because had, he had just fast one fast cars with Mi. Had he had he dropped that then? I don't even know if he had dropped that then, but I knew like um, he was signed to EME, and you know, Banky had um, what song did he have? It's either Strongton or from a Butte Meta, one of those songs where it was buzzing. So and you know, everybody kept saying like, "Oh, this is the next thing, this is the next thing," but. And also at that time, I like I really loved you know what he was doing, and I wanted to work with him. But at that time, I've been burnt so much in the industry. Yeah. yeah. So I remember I charged them fifty k, fifty k for a beat, yeah. and they came back a few days after. I said you know that's you know ab- above their budget, mm-hmm. so they can't pay fifty k for a beat. And me, I was like, ah, if you don't have my money, I'm not really yeah. moving. I'm not interested. So we didn't get to work mm-hmm. then, but that was our first meeting. Yeah. Then, you know, he made Superstar album with, you know, Sam Clef, Mastercraft and, you know, other guys. And he became a superstar. Mm-hmm. So from there we started seeing our clubs. You know, we'll see a rehab. Um and I have songs that bang in the clubs. He has songs that bang in the clubs, and you, you know, you see him like, oh, you don't want to work with me, da, 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 but you know. Then he he got bigger to the point where everybody wanted a verse from Wiz. Yeah. So all the people I was working with wanted to do a remix with Whiskey. So Whiskey would tell me like, yo, even if you don't give me a beat, I'll see kill your beat. I'll see kill your beat outside. Then after that, I moved to Ogudu mm. and at that time Wiz was also staying at Ogudu so we we're practically neighbors mm. and that's where our relationship like grew strong because you know I was always going to the house we we're always making music we we're always just working and from there we just like trying our music mm. yeah that's dope, so um, is the story different from mine no no it's actually very similar it's just like <laughs> has been a form for me before <laughs> that's what he basically said but like it's, it's very it's just the more detail but yeah this is yeah i used to fall for you before shout out Wiz man Wiz is a legend <laughs> so yeah bro Biggest. let's bro listen we can go on and on oh let's bro listen he's the poorest yeah <laughs> Wiz, but he's trying for all of us but um yeah fast forward again now right because i'm going to build off this Wiz relationship come closer Mm. Actually, before come closer, one dance, then come closer. How? Just tell me how that oiled itself to become what it was in terms of you working with Drake and then working just in general. Um, with one dance, it wasn't expected or anything. I didn't even think much of it because it was just one of those by the way things mm. where it was just like, oh, it has this song with Drake. Um, 
um, but the production isn't like um, done and everything you know do you think you can do something to it and I was like oh, let me hear it so and literally had the chorus um, and the the um, Kyla sample yeah. yeah and I was like cool so I did I did what I had to do you know added some drums I did guitars I did you know some parts of the music and I gave it back to Wiz and Wiz was like oh he, he likes it that you know he'll send it to them personally I didn't even think much of that song I didn't really like the song like that I just did it and I didn't think like it would become a thing I, I thought it was one of those things that they would hear and they probably wouldn't really you know like it or anything fast forward to 2016 April and which was like oh they're releasing the song and I was like ah, okay no problem now so they put out the song I think it was that song and pop style um, the one with Jay-Z yeah. yeah and few weeks after song is number one and I'm like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it wasn't like it wasn't like for me it wasn't orchestrate, orchestrated or anything it's just like an opportunity came and I did my part and I just you know yeah, well, it's, I, it's like it's, it's just like that then with Come Closer yeah. it's also another beat I made um, on my own and one of the nights I went to Wiz's house you know was like oh do you have any music play me something i played in different beats so it was like oh he likes his beats and he first out um the chorus the baby come closer mm -hmm. you know and the first verse and everything and uh, i remember he said you know out of all the songs that he's done today that that was his favorite and i was like mm, cool no worries <laughs> yeah i mean because i'm just like okay like yeah then i went to la to link up with Wiz and went to the studio and he played literally the same um, it's literally the same reaction I mean not, not not the same the same reaction from the video I posted of Loji hearing Wiz's verse for yeah. the first time yeah. that he didn't know um, Whiskey's verses on it that's always did to you yeah because he just played the song and I've heard us I have like the reference of the song where it's just like Wiz first verse second verse and chorus and the song ends yeah. do you get so that's that's the version i know yeah. so we're just in the studio and next thing i i heard like um two two mix up in drama and i was like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> i'm like what the fuck is this like so it's just it's just you know um one of those moments in my career where that made me like feel so proud of myself and see like you know how far you know i've come how far the little moves we've made has impacted so much in the Afrobeat community and everything. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, well, trust me, like, what I want to segue into right now is probably what I want people to learn the most. So, obviously, when you break into that international market, right, mm. that's when you have to structure your peak properly. Yeah. Right? So, for me, because another thing is this people, most people in the music industry are trying to blow like artists, right? Mm. But if you're not really performing on a stage, there's limitations to what that can be in terms of blowing. But you have managed to carve a niche as a producer, but your brand is so prominent like you're an artist, right? And an attribute to that is just the way you structure your life and the way you move 
with yourself, basically. So, tell like, I would like you to like educate producers how they should structure their pee with or without like the big hits because preparation means opportunity at the end of the day. You don't want to do that too late. So, talk about that from like publishing, licensing, all of that. Hmm, such a deep question. Yeah. Um, first off, I would say I don't think anything with me is planned. I think I'm just prepared, you know, when opportunity comes, like you said. Um, but to people looking on the outside, even to some of my really close friends, yeah. they feel like if I'm doing something, you know, it, it has to, I mean, there's there's some orchestration in the background. Like, like they don't feel like, oh, I'm just trying. They feel like, no, they say, I, I never try. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And that's not true. Yeah. I actually don't know what I'm doing. I just, sometimes I just believe so much in it and I just put my all, I put my, you know, best foot forward all the time. Um, another thing for producers, I think you should invest in yourself. You know, always look look for, you know, what's new look for new ways to do the same things, you know, look for new ways to even do new things as well. But most producers actually don't invest in themselves, you know. They make some money and they just use that money for other things, you know, maybe to look good or anything. But I mean, also looking good is part of it. You know, investing in yourself as in self-care, um, um, learning more about the business. So you actually know what you're doing and how to like, um, move forward like uh, being a systemic where you can look at the industry from a bird's eye view and you literally can find that point where you can pull and all the other moving parts of the industry would follow yeah 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 so but if you're busy i mean and everything i said i feel like this stage where i am now i i can do those things yeah. i feel like in 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 your production journey you know in in the first stage if you should really like turn out as much music as you can to become like a household name where people like know you and be like oh this is the go-to guy for hits and once you've established that you can literally do anything with your brand you know you can be more visible with your brand you can you know do strategic collaborations you know there's so much there's like the, the limits are endless but everything is in stages and i feel you know sometimes some producers get it wrong where they don't want to like put in the work they just want like the fame real quick and um they also should know that your breakout year might be your hottest year it's not it's not going to be like that forever you, I, th I feel like sometimes you, you're only hot for a year and after that you know it's it's not like you're not hot it's old news Where? yeah Where? like if I make if I make uh, a track with anybody and it bangs you know even though even though people say whoa that beat is crazy sad sad is something crazy it's like we knew we knew that already yeah. it's not going to gain me like followers my followers are not going to spike because i made a new beat that's crazy yeah. but in your breakout here your followers will spike because they're like oh my god is this new guy yeah. do you get what i'm saying yeah. so and people get caught up in that feeling like they'll be like that forever yeah. so you also need to look for you know ways to reinvent yourself yeah. after your breakout here yeah. 
I don't I don't know how to every I feel like everybody's part is different but you also you need to look for somewhere to reinvent yourself all the time you know I think that's very very important yeah. and also just learning about you know the music business is so important especially like when you progress in your career when you start making like um, you start making you know other heads done uh, like just outside you know outside your territory like you know around the world and everything it's so important to know um, networking as well you know keeping uh, keeping relationships is so important yeah it's so important and being um, uh, that's too that that's probably even one of the most important things like you know being true to yourself but it's I also understand like it's, it's hard to be true to yourself at the early stages of your career because you might miss out on certain opportunity but finding that balance you know with what people want and what's true to you um, I think is one of the things that helped me um, um, build my mark in this industry so anything I do is genuine to me but it also meets at a sweet spot that people also appreciate it yeah. yeah because you can be true to yourself and be alien to everyone else that's not gonna work that's not gonna help you yeah. so you also have to find that you know middle ground yeah because at the end of the day you know we're making art and it's an expression of how we feel mm. for people mm. yeah it's not an expression of how we feel for ourselves. Yeah. If you're making commercial music, it's an expression of how you feel for people. So, you know, as much as you love it, you know, you have to find that sweet spot. Mm. Yeah. Bro, I mean, everything you say right now, I can I can relate with just from a holistic standpoint, yeah. based on what the music industry is, mm -hmm. you know. So, um, let me, let me fast forward a bit, right? Because, like I said earlier in this podcast, you have a history of actually just working with different specific talent. So that's who I really want to focus on. Yeah. World and Nini other. Okay. But I'll start with Nini. Okay. So Nini is a very interesting case for me because bro, that house sound, yeah, like she made it very prominent here. Yeah. But you are behind that. So we're about to literally talk on like your versatility as well. How did you know that that would work with her? Like just based off, like how did you know what would work with that? Because you produced I, that sound. I I didn't I didn't know. I just tried. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't know like that would work or not, but I was willing to try because at that time, all um, the female artists in the industry were just making Afro beats. They were just making songs they think people would like, and not just um, showcasing other talents like you know maybe their vocal range, their writing, anything. How did you guys meet? Um, it was after when when she finished um, Project Fame, um, she she said she went on Google to search for the best producers in Nigeria, and she said my name kept coming up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She said my name kept coming up, and uh, she was like, okay, she will try working with me. So she called my manager, which is her manager, manager now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike. <laughs> Michael, my guy. Uh, yeah, Michael, you're supposed to come on this podcast, actually. Facts. Yeah, Two actually, more. should. Yeah, yeah, he probably has a lot to say. Too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I heard her voice, and I was thinking, 
how can I keep her voice as it is, but also make it enjoyable for other people? And it came to me, it was like house, Afro house. The beats are groovy and you can sing, like proper sing on it. And I was like, you know, I'm going to try this with her. And we made the first song, Ibadi. And Ibadi, it came out, people didn't really get it. And it started growing and growing and growing. And before you know it, it became like a favorite in the clubs and everything. And it started working. So she got really excited that um, that sound, you know, is working. And it makes it like very unique. Mm. So we kept working on more singles. The next single, I think, was Soke. And that worked too. So after that, you know, she was like, yo, okay, so I was, you know, forget, I'm not working with anyone else. You're just doing yeah, <laughs> that's right. all of my stuff. Then, um, I think after that song, we produced uh, Maradona. And that, that was, yeah, that was, bro, that was the to turning forever, point. Bro, listen, yeah. listen, listen. That record, Till Forever, they need to actually frame that in the museum. Because trust me, the way you started with the chords and just the bass line and just everything, like, that's when I was like, damn, my friend is actually special, <laughs> Bro, so yeah, man, that, that's, that's, please continue, I, I, I interrupted you. Yeah, so, um, after Maradona, we were like, okay, yo, just, like, I feel like that's what, like, cemented that Afro house sound here, and from there, like, everybody just gave it to her, like, okay, Nini's on her own lane, and she can do whatever she wants to do. Like she can make Afro house music like that, but you know the the um, inception of everything is just thinking of how to keep all the details in her voice. And uh, you can literally hear that she has a voice she can sing, mm-hmm. and also finding a way to engage Nigerians. Yeah. And I think Afro, I just I just said let me try this Afro house genre in a Nigerian way and you know it worked so they say um, um, you won't you don't grow in your comfort zone so and, and that's one thing I believe in like I'm always like willing to try something new yeah always willing like what's the worst that can happen you fail then you try again like mm-hmm. yeah Epic. world that's a that's a whole different experience on trouble man. I was. I remember the listening party. Yeah. Bro, I <laughs> man, you don't walk. You don't walk. We tried. Bro, how did that come about? How did you link up the world? World was where our mutual friend in LA, Koch. Oh, I know Koch. Yeah. Koch is in Nigeria right now. Yeah, he's in Nigeria. Koch, you didn't even shout me. Anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Koch uh, linked me up with him. We went to the studio, and according to World, he. He didn't really know who I was. He just he he knew me as the producer of Come Closer. Mm. Yeah. So he thought, oh, there's this new this new Ninja producer that produced Come Closer you should work with or something like that. And I'm like, oh okay, cool. And he played me um his music, which is which is phenomenal, but I mean and at that point, like once I hear anything that interests me, I'm thinking like how how can you make this how can you make this work how can you, that's that's what i'm always thinking like how can you make this work I, I was already thinking of that in my head and i was like okay he has such a strong voice 
it's like such an amazing voice mm-hmm. and it's very unique to um i was like how can i make this work so um his session was over before i could play beats so we linked up another time and i played him a few beats and trouble was one of the few beats i played to him it wasn't even done or anything and i was just like you know what let's try this and i was like okay cool i had some he was freestyling something that i like really love those melodies and i think the next day he sent me the song almost everything mm. and i heard the song and i was like wow yeah. like this is such a beautiful record like it's so good uh and at that point i made the decision like you know what let's just make an ep i don't think one song will cut it with us let's just and he was like cool let's just do it let's just let's let's go um so uh, it took us almost two years to work on that ep not because we didn't have most of the music but i was also trying to make him understand that um um we have to meet halfway and he has to like cater to if his fan base that actually like love him like you know which is like Nigerians and everything so I was looking for how to make the music connect you know we went back and forth with a lot of songs and I'll tell him like you these melodies are amazing but I don't think it would connect let's try this let's try that and it was so frustrating because he's also someone that is very hands-on mm. he knows what he wants he knows how he wants to make his music mm. so trying to convince someone like that yeah. is so difficult yeah. I'm like yo no especially with the song mad mm. like the first version it had the chorus but the verses were very um singing not necessarily singing it was very pop mm. oh okay yeah and i was like yo this is cool but we need to change it and he was like no he's not changing he's not changing i was like we have to like we literally have to change it and today he's glad like <laughs> he made those changes but you know that process of working with him also he also like brought me to his own world you know i learned so so much from you know him just creating music him writing music and everything as well and he's also he also like knows how to like um um record his vocals to sound like really clean mm. and everything yeah so just working with him is so amazing and um the project came out and he just you know yeah. did the madness yeah. as well yeah for sure yeah i genuinely believe that whatever you do with artists because of and you've explained your process and how you visualize how we can connect bro that is that in itself is a gift you feel me so kudos to you on that thing i want to talk about bad energy how did that happen Mm. Mm. Why you have it happen? People Why don't know that Grace is your manager, though. And people don't know, no. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, but yeah. Skepta's manager is also Sazi's manager. That's just something for that. But yeah, how did that happen? Bad energy. Um, how did bad energy happen? And it was by mistake. You know, you're gonna edit it and oh yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> bad energy. Yeah, to be fair, I think bad energy was by mistake. <coughs> Excuse me. Bad energy was by mistake. Um was in LA with Wiz. He was working with high dollar sign on a few songs. So they were in the studio all day. Um no, and we we're working at this um home studio 
So the house is literally, you know, just a few meters away and the studio is in the same compound. Uh, so I got bored, you know, because they were just in the studio all day and I've been there all day with them. So I just like left and went to the house and I was chilling. And I came back to get my laptop at the studio. Uh, I just wanted to collect my laptop and leave. I wasn't able to walk <coughs> every day. So I got to the studio, took my laptop. Then um, I heard one of the songs that uh, Wiz and Ty worked on. And it was so good. Like I, so I was just caught up in that moment. I was just listening to the song, you know, over and over. And the next thing, you know, Skepta and some of his boys, you know, walked into the studio and everything. And I was like, ah, one more. I don't think I'm ready for this session <laughs> or whatever is about to happen because I've heard, um, I've heard uh, some gist before that you know maybe I think they've tried to like Skepta and Wizards tried to work on songs before. But it just hasn't like really like worked out because they've not found they, their common ground. Because I need, I think Wiz likes a lot of melody and Skip likes a lot of like dark, like aggressive beats. So they've just not found a common ground. So I was just like, ah, I'm not the one that Steve will come at, <laughs> you know. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, so I was just about to leave the studio. Then Wiz, I just heard Wiz say, uh, so do you have any beats for us? And I was like, uh, I, so I was just like, you know what, let me just try. So I was playing a few beats and I played bad energy beats. At this time, it wasn't really bad energy, just the drums, but the chords were different. The chords were very melodic. Skepta heard it and I was like, oh, let this beat, let, let it play. But um, I don't like the chords. Can you change the chords like something darker and like you know? And at that point, I was like, "Sars, you see why you should have left. You see why you should have left. You see why you should have left. Now you have to work." Yeah, yeah you know what I'm yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Uh, okay." Then I tried, you know, trying different things. And next thing, I came up with the bam, 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 dun, 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 dun. And he heard that. And I was like, "Ah, I like that. I like that. Leave that. Leave that." So I just let the beat on loop. And you know, he was he listened to the beats for like an hour, just playing on the phone. I was like, "Yo, I'm ready to record." Um, then Drew, um, our you know mix engineer here, he recorded him. And, and you know what's funny? In all of this, Wiz, he don't jackpa. He has he left. He left us in the studio. I went to sleep. You guys said. So the next morning, um, I came back to the studio. To hear what Skip did, and I heard it first. I was like, "Jesus!" Hmm. So as everybody heard it, I was like, "Jesus Christ! This is the hardest, hardest verse ever." Yeah. Then Wiz recorded his chorus, yeah. and we had the, we had two verses from Skepta and the chorus from Wiz. Then the song was just in the hard drives for a while, but but I, I was like, "This song is so hard! Like, why why don't they want to release this song?" And I think I remember one time, we wanted to just even put the song on SoundCloud for free as a freestyle or something. And I'm so glad that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that didn't happen. Um, then one day, I think I DM'd Skepta like, you know, what's up with this song? And he was like, he wants to do a third verse. And um, he doesn't have the beat. So I was like, can I send you 
be beat to record third verse. He said he wants that I should arrange, I should give him space for the third verse uh, with the song, and he would finish it. I didn't have the data because I didn't record it, so I had to like orchestrate. I had to call the engineer and Ellie. He was like, you know, what, just chop the beat. I just create a verse for him and everything mm. so he can record the third verse. Then I think he now sent it to Mute. I think it was Mute that recorded that third verse. Yeah. And after he recorded it, that's when they like now plan to like release it. Yeah. And when I heard that third verse, I was like, yo, that's the hardest. That's <laughs> the hardest verse like ever. Thanks. Yeah, and, uh, that verse is so hard. That, that's one song I think I know from start to finish. Like mm. every line, like it's so hard. And that's how the song came to be. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't planned. Like it, it wasn't even supposed to happen. Yeah, and sometimes you know the best things are like that. Happen yeah, happen on plan. The best things, like a lot of songs I made that I didn't really like plan. You know, that turned out to be really amazing. Mm. Not saying the ones I planned they turned out amazing as well, but I'm just saying like some. You know, you just never know. Yeah. Yeah. Just go with the flow. Yeah, just go with the flow. What's the worst that can happen? Just, just do it. I think that's what I'm gonna call this podcast. What's the worst? <laughs> <laughs> Bro. Okay, so I said something at the beginning because I want to end it like this, right? I said you said something to me that basically changed my life. Yeah. Literally, like I, I, I don't think if I if I didn't hear that from you, obviously God used you to tell me, but if I didn't hear that, I don't think I would be where I am now. So do you remember that time yeah, we went for that Martel P? That's some Martel P was some rock side yeah. We were just gisting and I was lamenting to you like Based off my breakup, you yeah, understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was pouring my heart out, bro. I was like, yo, this industry doesn't want niggas if you are real. Da, 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 da. And you are just looking at me like this. The same way you are looking at Sheezy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you are just looking at me like this. My bro. <laughs> Sheezy. But yeah, I was just looking at you because I was like, is this guy even listening to what I'm saying? Then you not said something to me. He said, no, do you know what your problem is? I said, what? He said, you said, you love people more than they love themselves. Bro, when you said that thing to me, it's like glass broke in my head. I was like, oh, damn. When we said, I know they give a man more than what, what he deserves. deserves. Bro, like, the way that line hits my chest, it, it connects to what you said then. Yeah. I was like, ah, I'm actually not Jesus Christ. I can't carry that cross. I have to actually give myself the love and then implement what I can based off what they allow. And bro, ever since I started doing that, I kind of used that as a compass, like self-love as a compass, yeah. and it navigated me to the point where I am where I am today. Thank Jesus. So thanks, bro. Cheers, criminal. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think this is an epic podcast episode. Like, bro, we can speak forever and ever. I yeah, mean, there's so much we can even talk know, about, like, but I mean, hey. yeah, maybe we'll do part two. Maybe we'll bring Loji on, or just whatever. We can run yeah. it in different ways, you know. Oh no, even talk about music. Yes. Yeah. There's so much. Just like we'll talk about here. Yeah. We'll do another one for yeah. sure. We for sure will. Maybe even another country song because you are is killing the vibe. It actually is. It actually <laughs> is. Oh, bro. Hello, you wear me and. No, 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 no. No, we're out. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Peace, guys. <laughs>